Welcome in to The Journey Begins here, right here on SENZ. Our five-part series with the Vantage Blacksticks men as they build up to the FIH Hockey Men's World Cup 2023 in India. We've got some amazing stories to tell. Next up, it's Jake Smith, who debuted as a 21-year-old. He went through a rocky period after missing out on the Rio Olympics in 2016. But after three years in the international wilderness, the comeback was sweet. Jake, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today. I want to start off with uh, with with your childhood. Uh, back in Wellington, you started playing hockey at what age and at the same club as, as your mum? Yeah, actually, that, that takes me back actually a little bit. So I think I started hockey because mum played on yeah. the Kapiti Coast, I think, initially. Um, I don't know for what reason because we lived in the city. But yeah, I th- ever since I can remember, I was just sort of running around the field after her. Um, and that's, that's, yeah not a very long and um, fabulous story it was yeah just as simple as that really so that's where the love of the game started yeah yeah I think it definitely began that way in terms of a family affair my dad played cricket so I was torn between cricket and hockey um, but for whatever reason hockey hockey took my liking and um, I played both hockey and cricket all the way through high school but then ultimately had to make a choice at some stage yeah when did you realize that hockey was the dream that you wanted to follow when was it when did you start thinking about this team about the national team yeah it's weird you you kind of uh, you don't you don't realize you've got that opportunity until you almost do and um i was just for some reason or another i was just always really driven to to do better than wherever i was um so initially probably you know it might have been that I probably liked cricket a bit more maybe um I was not as good at cricket so that probably formed my my um my choices informed my choices a little bit but um yeah no hockey was always always a deep passion and I think once I got into sort of the later years of high school um and thought I'm okay at this I can yeah we'll see where it takes me and like I said yeah for some reason I just had the mindset to to do better and do more your mum was obviously a pretty handy player if she was still playing um, when you were born and running around. Did she ever coach you? Did she help you in any way with hockey? I mean, she yeah, she likes to tell me what to do a lot. Um, still now? Still now, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, she she was sort of like a senior club level player, probably wanted to, to do more, but you know, devoted her, her life to bringing me up really and um, stepped away from the game probably after playing at, at senior club level. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that coaches me probably more as a human than a, than a hockey coach, but um, yeah, definitely has had a strong input. A great mother. Yeah, just a uh, really yeah, yeah, a crazy. Uh, yeah, I can't even begin to describe that one well, really. Tell us a little bit more about that then. What's your mum's name, and <coughs> tell us what she's done for you? Because there's always so many people that um, help you get to these places, right? We always yeah. see the, the athlete or the person, but what about who actually helped you get to that point? Your mum. Yeah, yeah. This is the. This will be the tugging on the heartstrings bit for me probably, but um, mum, you, you know, my parents split up really early, so single mum, moved to Hawke's Bay, moved around a lot with her, but, you know, her, we, we didn't have a lot, and she, you know, her whole existence, now that I look back on it, was about providing for me, so, um, you know, and, and that was at probably some personal cost to her, so when you think about it that way, it's um, it's pretty powerful, and you know, like, for example, a, a stupid example, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but her theory was always, let's get the worst house, but on the best street. So always putting me in situations where I could thrive or, or do well and, and become more. And um, But, yeah, as I said, often um, 
at her own personal sacrifice. So she's was and is the centre of of that world and what I do there. And um, she she lives and breathes it. She loves it. You know, she's she's probably loves hockey more than I do, or loves my hockey journey more than I do, which is saying something. It's very cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I suppose the payback for her then is seeing her son achieve. Um, so what was it like uh, when you were about to make your debut for the Black Six and telling your mum that this was going to happen? Can you take us back to, <laughs> to that moment? I think you were 21, were you? Yeah, that's a few years ago now. Um, Just the other day. 20, yeah, it must have been 2021, December 2012. Um, I can't remember telling her. I honestly can't. But uh, yeah, I think I told her over a phone call that I was going to Melbourne to play, and she was, yeah, she didn't even believe me. I don't think it, you know, like it was, it was quite a rapid rise, I guess, for me in the beginning. Like I didn't really play age group um, national level. I, I played one year in the junior black six, but you know, it was never really widely considered as as a as a up and coming you know talent for that for that level always considered a hard worker but um so to get that opportunity was really cool um yeah the hindsight was would would tell you that I was very young and probably a bit underprepared for that but you know um it, w- it was it was amazing and yeah she couldn't be there but um would have yeah would have changed her life for sure what did the coaches see now that you look back at that because <laughs> it was such a long time ago if yeah. you if you weren't destined, you know, for this great rise, what do you think they saw in you? Why did they pick you? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. You've always got to ask yourself that, even now, you know, like why am I here? Um, I think that's a really important um, kind of tool to to figure out what you're good at and what you bring to the table, and, and that really helps personify your strengths, I think. And, yeah, back then they would have seen um, kind of – some raw ability um, to to score goals and to physically um, cope with international hockey um, and probably more than anything just a mentality and a mindset to get better um, and a desire to um, you know probably do more than the next person to to play at that level so I think that probably went a long way um, in terms of training ethic and discipline and um, doing all the right things I, I guess um, was probably you know what got me over the line at that point in terms of potential. How did you go on your first stint? <laughs> I um I actually had this conversation with Simon Child the other day because Simon Child's rejoined us and <coughs> he I debuted he was you know in his prime still yeah. is um, but um, I was I think I was subbing for him so I'd come on the field for like three minutes when he needed a break so I wasn't playing much but you know you look back on that and I. I the game just is so fast, and if you haven't played at that level, um, decision making, even getting the ball in space, let alone trapping the thing and then doing something with it when you're fatigued and you've you're absolutely gassed, um, and you're playing with people who have been doing this for years and years and years, is um, it can be quite overwhelming. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess it, it um, yeah, the reflection was that it was amazing, but I, I wasn't able to do much. I was really a bit of a like a passenger I guess and not a passenger but able to do the basics of my role but not able to kind of excel and influence the game I guess um yeah it's actually quite cool um talking to you now when you can look back and you can reflect on these moments right because these are all the moments that make you who you are and what kind of player that you are if we fast forward a couple of years to 2014 the world league in India uh what what do you remember about that (laughs) I remember 
getting extremely sick on the way home, um, which, yeah. Uh, so we've just been to India for context, and, you know, the scariest thing about India is getting daily belly, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, yeah, on the way home we got sick, and I probably lost about six kilos. And wow. I was, had two bags of fluid pumped into me in the um, airport in Singapore. So that was a bit of a shock. But before then, um, yeah, I kind of, I think as a player, I started to feel a bit more comfortable. And um, we we were in a team at that point that was was trending quite well. Um, we played really well. You know, sure, we had we had some great results. We had a little bit of luck along the way, was, which, which is what you need. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember losing a final 7-2, which was crazy to Holland. Um, <laughs> but... It was a, it was a cool experience. That was like the you first kind the of final. major tournament experience at the time. World yeah. League Four was kind of like the the um, you know outside of World Cup Olympics, Com Games was probably the big tournament. What do you learn from from those moments, those finals? <laughs> that they they pass you by in a second, like in, in less than a second. Um, yeah, it's it's a, such a delicate balance because you're going in, you don't want to make errors that influence the game, but if you also go into your shell and don't play, you're not going to win the game. So you kind of got to frame yourself up a little bit mentally to to just be like, well, well, at the end of the day, it's just a game of hockey. It's another game of hockey, you know? And, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I've approached, I guess, my career more generally is, you, you know, you do all the hard work and preparation, and at the end of the day, once you cross the line, you can't really control anything else. You've, you've done everything you can, so especially in those big moments, you just try and trust the process a little bit. You went over and played in the EHL. Uh, tell us what the EHL is and who you were playing for. Yeah, that's fond memories. Uh, the EHL was the Champions League of, of hockey, really. So um, every year they uh, they have a tournament um, all around Europe, but the top three or four teams, depending on where you, what country you are, from each club division play like a, a knockout-style um, tournament. It's epic. It's amazing. It's um, <clears throat> if you're not like a fan of hockey and you want to see how hockey should be packaged and commercialized, I would 100% say go and watch how they do it. Um, it's the whole thing is just epic. It's just a show of hockey, um, and even down to the details, how the refs ref the game is such a way that they, you know, it's still safe, but they're not so um, zealous on the the danger elements if it's including skill and then you know the the game is reft in such a way that creates excitement and, and creates more big moments so how are you playing for and how did you do um the, yeah i had a crazy two years at this club heracles in belgium so um i went there i missed out on rio olympics um horrible feeling um went there you know with the mindset of well, i never want to feel that again because <laughs> you know you talk about phone calls that yeah that one was the, probably the most one of the most difficult um, and um, at that time you know on reflection again I wasn't where I needed to be um, and I needed some new experience and challenge so I went to Belgium um, I went with with a guy called Marcus Child who all the hockey people listening will know <laughs> um, a good friend of mine and <clears throat> we went there and I think we read in a French paper that we were favorites to relegate we had a couple of really good prospects or Belgian players but apart from that like it's just a really family orientated club with um, you know 10 or 12 guys who have been there for their whole life just working hard and love hockey um, we had a wild season um, we came second to Dragons who at the time well 
are still a household name in club hockey over there. Um, we lost the Belgium finals um, over two games, 10-2, I think. So, you know, we were clearly second best, but to make this, the final was crazy. Um, and, you know, so we essentially went from relegation favourites to second in Belgium, um, which meant we qualified for EHL. And then we didn't do so well the next year at, in the club competition, but in the EHL we managed to win two knockout games and made the top four, which again was, like, insane. Um yeah, I think I scored a couple of goals along the way, so it was a pretty special experience. Amazing experience. Um, all this time while you're playing uh, in basically the Champions League of hockey, did you still have aspirations to come back and play for New Zealand? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, 100%, like, that was always the goal. I, I went there to... So I was initially part of the squad when I left New Zealand, yeah. um, and then we had a coaching change and I also injured my knee and a few things didn't go my way and I sort of fell out of the squad. Um, so that hurt as well. Um, and I stayed there for three years, um, what, two at Heracles and one in Holland, um, you know, because it was the best place for me to get better at hockey, especially if I wasn't in the national team. So um, that was the goal, really, and, and it, it worked. I played, well, I scored a lot of goals. So tell us about the phone call in 2016 there then. Um, who was it? What was said before the Olympic Games? Uh, yeah. Um, coach at the time was Colin Batch, who now coaches Australia. Um, sort of like a father figure to most of us. Um, yeah, great coach. Um, and, you know, you could even you think back to the conversation you can hear in his voice. It's a, as much a difficult conversation for the coach as it is for the player. But yeah. Um, you just re yeah I think I remember over a period of we had like a sort of 12 or 14 week um, like training camp leading in um, through periods um, of centralization and you always doing the numbers you know you, like I wasn't I wasn't by no means thinking I should be first on the team yeah. sheet you know I was I was competing for the last striker spot really to go to the Olympics and I knew that but you know you do the numbers and you're like oh I'm going right here and things like that and then few things change last minute and, and then you don't get picked or whatever and then um, if that's what you're expecting then you know like that was, yeah, it was horrible it was a terrible feeling to to have um, but at the same time the emotions are so mixed because you have a group of 16 guys who deserve to go who have trained really hard and and you sort of watching them go there and nearly really medal to be honest yeah. um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a tough period for sure. Who helped you through that time? <laughs> um, oh, mum for sure, probably. Yeah. yeah, close friends and family from Wellington. Um, yeah, some of, some of the boys were great. I remember that um, feeling. Uh, I guess yeah, comfort from the fact that some of the guys were like, you know, a bit hard done by, but unlucky. Um, you know, a little bit of validation there, I guess. But it's all you. Like, there's ultimately it's only you as a person I think okay you've got to talk about it for sure and um, and get some help where you need it but it's all down to your reaction I think yeah. The strength in a person though is not giving up right and, and it's the comeback so correct me if I'm wrong but 921 days between yeah, who, who got that stat? That's impressive. It's on your Instagram Is it? <laughs> it's on oh, your Instagram okay, sure. 921 days 
between pulling on that black jersey again. Yeah. Yep. So what did that comeback feel like then after <laughs> the conversation, the phone call with a yeah. father figure, going over and playing in this wild hockey league and doing blimmin' well yeah. to being back in that environment with your best mates? Oh, you just said it. It was, it was, um, it was playing with my best mates. That was the most important thing. And I didn't realise it at the time. And I think when I was in the team initially, pre-2016, I was friends with everyone, but I was just a young kid who moved up from Wellington, probably pretty shy. Yeah. Like, I, I hadn't made friends that, at the time, I was like, oh, these guys are going to be mates for the rest of my life, you know? But over time, because at the time when I was in Europe, there was sort of about nine other black sticks there, like first-choice black sticks playing over there, like all our best players were there. So, you know, those are guys that I lived with and, and you know, was day-to-day suffering with in the gym. I would just train with them. I'd do the international program with them. I'd do everything they did, but I just wasn't in the team. Um, so to rejoin the, those guys on a European tour, which is also, like, the best tour you can go on um, in summer. Yeah. Like, it's the dream. It's the dream. Yeah, as an um, athlete. Yeah, yeah, it's hot. It's in, you're in Belgium and Holland. Everyone loves hockey. Yeah. It's just, like, it's what you want to be doing. Um was it all worth it when you got yeah, back to that point? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like you said, it was it was weird. It was like satisfaction and kind of vindication, I guess, for the belief in myself. Um, but more than anything, I just found my joy in it again. Like mm. I was just so happy to be able to compete with my best mates. Like, and yeah. It was, there's nothing better than that, really. It's really cool. You're, yeah. like, warming my heart thinking about <laughs> it. Um, 2020, you have an absolutely outstanding year. You're the Black Sticks Player of the Year. Of course, that was supposed to be the Olympic year, yeah. but you have to wait a year. Tokyo comes a year late after COVID and no games and the lockdowns and everything that we went through, uh, both as athletes and, and just as human beings. So what was your Olympic experience <laughs> like when you finally got there? Honestly, it was a journey. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, COVID was terrible for me. I, I physically peaked in 2020 for sure. Everything we did was for 2020. Um, and <laughs> after 2020, my body slowly started to break down for a period. So, um, yeah, definitely if I could have that again, I would choose not to have COVID in the world. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so twen- but the Olympics was, um, uh, was so strange, <laughs> to be honest. Um there's no one there in the stands. Like this incredible stadium that could fit 10,000 people and it's just empty. Mm. It feels like you're playing a practice match, but you're not. You're playing in the Olympic Games. Um, Which would be hard to get up as well when yeah. you don't have... I mean, you know you're at the Olympics and you're like, okay, I've got to be on here. Yeah. Um, and you get a, not a lot of that natural buzz from the village and being around there. But, you know, we went, then we went to the Com Games just now and you've got 5,000 people in this massive stand. Like, it's completely different, you know? So... It was strange. It was locked down. It was um, it was weird. It was like COVID Chinese whispers. You like there was COVID in the village, but no one would talk about it, and you you just didn't really interact with many people. Um, but it was a long journey for me to get there, and then it was followed by incredible disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> so it was like a just a complete roller coaster. So from the like I, I saw you you write both the highest of highs and the lowest of lows all within a fourteen day period. Yeah, you must learn from that. <laughs> you must learn a lot about yourself from yeah. moments and periods like that. Yeah, and honestly, that the untold story of this whole thing is that we, you know, we went there. We 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 did everything we could. It didn't work out. Um, we came home, we did two-week isolation by ourselves, 
and then we went into the level four lockdown in Auckland for like, what was it, six weeks, yeah. maybe more. Like that was brutal. Um, when you've like just had your dreams shattered doing that, you know, like it, yeah. So, um, but I mean, at the time you're kind of like, you're just surviving a bit, you know, yeah. and, and you know that it's a, a massive setback, but you know, it's gonna be okay. The world's gonna be all right. It's just hockey, but um, yeah, it's definitely a massive, a massive sort of um, learning experience for sure, yeah. You have gone from going into this environment, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as this young kid basically missing a big chunk of time to captaining and being the vice-captain of this team. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that, about about your leadership role within this team? Like, it's it's a massive deal. You're captaining one of New Zealand's teams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, when you put it that way. I guess I, I've tried not to make too much of it. Like I, um, like I'm pretty proud of myself Good. for sure. Um, Good. And I see that more, you know, with people like my mum than probably myself. Like yeah. I'm probably pretty hard on myself. Um, but um, you know, at the same time, I just have a role in this team that um, I've learned about. You know, and it's not always going to be doing what a Simon or a Hugo or 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 a Blair and Nick does, you know, it's, there's, there's different parts that are really important to my game. Um, and and an element of that is sort of that leadership space, um, which I've grown into for sure. Like I definitely was not <laughs> um, putting my hand up for that um, for, for a long time. I was just trying to survive, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's cool. Like I, I guess I had the perspective to come back to the group after three years away. Um, so I felt like I had something really different there to contribute. I could see... You know, a lot of the older players who are my my mates, um, you know, and they've 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 you know they've trained so hard for 10, 12 years, and they you know we, they all have a way of doing things. And then you have a, a young group of guys, um, millennials, for a better one of a better term, have come through, and they're really different humans. Yeah. Like you have to treat them differently; they're not the same. Um, and so, I guess I looked at it in terms of trying to sit in the middle there and, and bridge that gap a little bit, and. My approach was a bit more humanistic than, um, than than any other way, I guess. And yeah, I kind of just saw that as an opportunity to make a difference. Who are the great leaders that you look up to or have looked up to? <clears throat> well, our, our captain just, who just stood down, Blair Tarrant, um, has done an amazing job. You know, through a diff- like some of those difficult periods we talked about. You know, like yeah. you, you you come ninth at the Olympics there's no one that feels that worse than the captain, um, you know, and um, it's a it's a hard job. It's, it's a really hard job, you know, even for a sport um, like hockey where, you know, we would say we want we want to be more in the spotlight um, in New Zealand, but we're not. You know, you can imagine what someone like Sam Kane goes through on a weekly basis, you know, like it's, it's a tough job, but it's yeah. a hugely rewarding job, and, and he, he did an incredible job, and, and he recently stood down, um, and and we know Woodsy would do a great job as well. Um, Simon is a, was another one, but he, he, he's back and, you know, he's, he's not the captain, but yeah, he's, he's a, just a leader and a winner. Um, so it's, it's awesome to see him back. And you know, th- they were all, um, you know, all the captains I've had were good in their own way. You don't get there by being um, uninspiring and, yeah. and not a good leader. You know, Dean Cousins is great. Um, and, yeah, and Cy, Dean Cy, Terrence. Hugo probably did a few in the middle there as well, who's who's a who's a pretty inspirational warrior. So, 
yeah, there's, they've all got their there's own. There's many of them. Yeah, yeah. You've got some amazing leaders. You've got some incredible players and talent in this team. How much are you looking forward to going to the World Cup? Yeah, um, we have a great opportunity. There's no point in um, shying away from that. We've, yeah. we've got a, um, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've got a team and a group of players that are close to doing something pretty cool. Um, the outside world doesn't see that, and they don't see what we what we do in the background, and they don't see all the nearlies or the what ifs or the, you know, ho- hockey's a game that if you're if you're one percent off, you can lose five four, but if you if you nail that one percent, you can win that game four 0 and yeah. that's kind of where we're at at the moment with percentages, and, and there's a, there's a few of them. You know, we're not we're not trying to say we're perfect, um, but you know the way we're trying to play, which is is very different, it's more aggressive. Um, is is such that there are more risks inherently um, and we're trying to learn to control those risks a bit more but we have talent to burn um, and some amazing experienced players and world-class players um, so it's just about how we can really personify those characters and and put a performance out you're getting me really excited um, you're an amazing story of resilience of hope of opportunities of not giving up thank you so much for sharing your story uh, and for, for talking me. to us and go well in India thank we're you. all behind Appreciate you the support. What a story and what a hockey player. Jake Smith, fantastic to get him right here on SENZ for the journey begins here uh, all thanks to Vantage Windows and Doors. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll catch you soon.